Thanks for listening to The River's Podcast. For more information on this teaching, visit our website at theriver.info. Hey, friends. Barkley and I are here on Palm Sunday weekend to bring a teaching to you from the story of Noah found in Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. His is the story of anguish, trial, despair, discouragement, or simply said, yuckiness. A story of yuckiness filled with hope, filled with worship. But before we get to Noah's story on this Palm Sunday weekend, I want to tell you a couple things. First of all, I've never been more excited or thankful to receive a diagnosis of a common cold. That's what you're hearing right here. This is just a common kind of head cold type thing, and throat's a little scratchy. So nothing more than a common cold. Barkley and I are quarantined. We're a little closer than six feet, but dogs can't get corona, so we're good. And Austin is way over there, about 40, 50 feet away. He can't get anything that we have. That's one thing. Second thing, as I said last week in the long teaching that was posted last week, it stinks that this place is empty. Isn't it, Barkley? I mean, it just tuckers him out, the thought of this place being empty. Honestly, he was so excited to come to church today as he loves greeting you. If you're not a part of the river and this is, you're new, he's, he's the pastor of greeting. He loves Sunday and Saturday nights just because he gets to see you, as do I. And look at him. He's kind of depressed and sad. The energy left him when he got here realizing you guys weren't here. So we're bummed that this place isn't filled on Palm Sunday weekend. I want to let you know, though, as I let you know last week, that we will celebrate together Easter. Uh, I mentioned last week that we had a professional record uh, a longer teaching from me uh, that is being produced and will be released next weekend. It'll make these look really poorly done, but hey, we're just doing what we can with the technology we have. But for Easter, we wanted to go above and beyond. And so Thomas Wrench, a professional, is going to get Easter's message uh, tip-top shape for us. That's how we'll celebrate Easter now. In September, when all of this is gone... We're going to gather in this place and celebrate Holy Week, even though Holy Week starts basically now as you're hearing this message. We're going to pretend in September like we're we're in Holy Week for the first time. And we're going to do our path to the cross, September 8, 9, 10, and 11, right here in this building. There'll be some self-guided things for you to reflect upon while on the yuckiness Jesus went through, culminating in a Friday night reflective worship gathering that Pastor Shayla, our worship pastor, is going to lead with a little teaching from me, which leads us into our Easter week, which will be September 12 and 13, where we're going to gather in here, fill this place out, get really noisy, and celebrate Easter together. It'll be good to be together to celebrate it. So we're going to celebrate it via, you know, the internet this way, but we'll celebrate it once we're allowed to get together. That's kind of our plan. So I told you it's Palm Sunday weekend. Palm Sunday weekend is a traditional uh, time of the church calendar where we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. You might recall when he went into Jerusalem on that Sunday, people were so excited and were screaming, Hosanna, and they were excited that the Messiah was coming into town. So they waved palm branches, threw the palm branches down on the ground, and they were celebrating Jesus. Yay! And so what Palm Sunday does is it kicks off Holy Week. Welcome to Holy Week. We know, according to the Gospel of John, that Palm Sunday was six days before what we now know to be the Last Supper, six days before the Jewish Passover feast that Jesus celebrated with his people, six days before he was betrayed and thus subsequently crucified on the cross. Spoiler alert, which led to the empty tomb, but we're not talking about that yet. 
And so Holy Week is a time kicked off by Sunday, Palm Sunday, where we remember the fickleness of humans and how that impacted Jesus so negatively. On one day they were excited that the Messiah was here, but when they realized his kingdom was a bit different than they had in mind, they turned on him and crucified him. Jesus himself went through a horrible experience all Holy Week so that you and I could get to Easter. So we'll celebrate Easter next week, but this week on this teaching, in this teaching, Barkley and I, see, he's excited about this, are going to teach a little bit about life in the midst of yuck that prepares us to get to Easter. So I said we're talking about Noah. You know the story of Noah. It's found in Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. You can look at it. I'll be reading different parts of it. Uh, For various reasons, which we'll look at later, Um, a flood was coming upon the earth. Noah and the world he was a part of was turned upside down. Everything that was normal for him would be done away with. There would be a new normal after these events that are recorded in Genesis 6 through 9. Kind of like us. We find ourselves with the coronavirus in the whole world, having things turned upside down. And like Noah, who had to be fearful and scared like all that he knew was going to be thrown out the door as the floods came, we find ourselves in a situation where all that we know is being thrown out the door, where we experienced a metaphorical flood with this coronavirus sweeping the nations of the world. So you know the story. God sent Two by two, all the animals to get on the ark. It was a big, massive ark, right? He built it. It took him a long time to build it. And all the animals came. And then we get this. Right before the downpour came, right before the calamity came upon him, we read this in Scripture. God gives him, that is Noah, this command. God says to Noah, take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal. What you might not know about these seven pairs of clean animals is that these seven kinds, uh, seven pairs of clean animals, they had a particular purpose that was different than the two by two animals that went on the ark. The seven uh, uh, types of, seven pairs of clean animals, they had a particular purpose, and that was simply this they were used for worship. Right back in those days, thank God we don't do this today, but their worship centered around sacrificing animals before the Lord. And it was really a foreshadowing of the things that Jesus would do during this Holy Week that we remember. Right? Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for all. Last time, no more animals needed to die after Jesus. But before Jesus, there needed to be some blood shed to cover the sins of the people. And they used these clean animals, for instance, some doves or sheep. And and God told him, take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal. As he entered into the ark right before the flood, when things were about ready to get horrible, he said, bring with you these seven pairs of clean animals because there will be a day when you're going to need the tools of worship. So don't miss that. Right here at the onset of Noah's troubles, God lays a foundation in preparation for future worship. And in so doing, God makes a promise to Noah in commanding him to bring the tools of worship with him. He makes the promise that, hey, Noah, you're about ready to enter into some dark days. But I'm telling you, there will be a day of praise after the dark days. So he took seven pairs of every kind of clean animals. Because God knew that the current troubles for Noah 
weren't the end of the story, wasn't the end of the story. God knew that although the days ahead would be dark, there would be a bright day coming when praise would be the mode of operation. Last week in our teaching, Barkley and I taught you, do you remember this, Bark? Yeah, he's excited about this part. We taught a little bit about, uh, introduce you to a woman named Julian from Norwich, who was a saint, St. Julian of Norwich. And, and in her book, which is the oldest recorded, or um, what's the right word? I guess recorded piece written by a woman that we have in human history. St. Julian, from a woman's perspective, this old book, she says, well, that was confusing, wasn't it? But I trust you can get beyond it. Let me say this. St. Julian of Norwich says, in the midst of troubles, right, she survived the bubonic plague. She survived a near-death experience in her adult life. She said, all will be well, and all will be well, and in all manner of things, all will be well. See, she knew what it was like Noah to live in the dark days, but even in the midst of the dark days, she had a heart that was prepared for the praise when the dark days were done. So I want to have us learn from Noah and St. Julian in this. We're in the midst of our own flood right now. I mean, these are crazy days, and I know the fear factor is high, and I know the, the trauma is there, and I know the, uh, that many of you are just scared. I want to tell you that like Noah, that we can even in the midst of that prepare our hearts for future praise because these dark days aren't the end of the story. There will be days where we can raise praise. Let me say it this way. Let me quote Charles Henry Link and Charles Michael Link, my grandpa and my dad. My grandpa was a career Air Force guy. My dad was a career Air Force guy. Both of them spent over 20 years in the military. And one thing that they knew to be an effective military man is proper prior planning prevents poor performance. And they drilled those six Ps into my brothers and my head growing up that, hey, whatever you do, just make sure you're prepared for all type of things. And, you know, they forced us into Boy Scouts. My brother loved it. I hated it. Ugh, the whole uniform thing didn't do good things for me. Well, anyway, the whole be prepared motto was a good one, and the proper prior planning prevents poor performance was a good thing that has taken hold in my heart. I love being prepared for the unexpected, Right. My wife and kids probably get tired of me when we prepare to go on trips for me, say, do you got this, do you got this, do you got this, do you got this? They just want to bring what they need now. But my proper prior planning has prevented poor performance in our family. Even though it's a bit annoying, it's helpful. So as you find yourself like Noah in the midst of a flood, I want you to do what he did, and that is to prepare your heart for praise when the flood is gone. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal. Now get this. We read this in the text right here. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Watch this. Barkley, stay. He's pretty sweet, isn't he? He's doing what I'm commanding him. Barkley, snore. Can you hear him snoring? I can't. See, Barkley knows that an obedient dog, is, <clears throat> excuse me, is that cold? Barkley knows that an obedient dog is a happy dog. In fact, I knew, as Barkley's buddy and, I guess, master, that when we got him nine or more years ago, that for him, 
to be a joy to others, for him to experience joy in his own life, for him to live his fullest life, obeying the commands of the master was crucial. And so we spent the first six months of his life, no exaggeration, about two hours a day. Not a solid two hours. That would have killed all of us. But, you know, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 20 minutes. Myself or one of the kids would, would spend some time training him on some of the basics of doggy obedience. Things like sit, down, stay, come, shake. Important one if you're going to be a pastor of greeting at the river, right? Heal. We taught him those things because we knew that he would eventually be big. He's 155 pounds. I told you a few weeks ago that he's okay with me sharing. He's not embarrassed about his weight like many of us are. He's cool with me sharing my weight. But a 155-pound, unruly, ill-behaved dog is not an enjoyable thing. He'd yank my arm off on a walk. And so earlier this week, I don't know if you follow me on my YouTube page, which is new for me, or if you saw it on Instagram, uh, we posted a little video about two big churchy words. The first is orthodoxy. That's right thinking. That's right understanding. And Noah knew right things about God, but it's more important to simply know right things. That's where that second word, orthopraxy, is helpful. Doing right things. So he's a dog who embraces orthopraxy. Watch this. Stay. See? Amazing. Barkley, lay on your side. See? Orthopraxy. He does what he knows the master wants. It's not enough for him simply to know what I want. He has to do it. And it's the same with Noah. The Bible says Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Man, I think we can learn from Barclay and from Noah that life is simply gooder when we obey the commands. And let's just be clear. It's difficult to obey the commands of the Lord when things are going great. But Noah modeled for us obedience in the midst of hardship. You find yourselves during this corona scare in a difficult time. We all do. I want to encourage you not to set aside the commands and the ways of the Lord. Not that you earn his favor, but you do them out of his favor. He died for you. We're in Palm Sunday and Holy Week where we remember the yucky things that he did, like Noah's in yucky things. But spoiler alert, he comes back to and because he came back to life and loves us, out of that place of victory and love, we can live obedient lives. We don't live obedient lives for God's love, but out of his love, we can live obediently. So go to the dogs and go to Noah and do what the Bible says. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So there he is. He brought all the animals on, even the seven clean ones. He you know, had built that ark, took him a long time. His obedience was very costly. And then the flood came, and the, the flood came, and the fear had to rise. The nervousness had to rise. Nothing like this had ever been seen before on planet Earth. Everything as Noah uh, knew it was turned upside down. Nothing was normal. There would be a new normal for him, and he was nervous in the midst of it all. And yet we read this. In the midst of the fear, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the struggle, we read this. He released ravens several times. Mm -hmm. You get the power of that point, don't you? That the raven releasing was actually tangible action steps that Noah took to live out hope that tomorrow would be better. 
Here's why. He released the ravens to see if they could fly somewhere and find dry ground because all he could see was nothing but a flood. All he could see was the yuckiness of the day. But in hope, he released the ravens that they would someday maybe find some place to land. And we see in the Bible that he did this several times. And the Bible says they kept flying back and forth. No, I don't know about you, but I'm easily discouraged sometimes. And had I been on that giant ark, that big old boat, and I released the ravens once and he came back, I'd have been discouraged. I said, oh, man, life stinks. It's easy to give up hope and get discouraged. But the fact that this dude, the Bible says, several times released the ravens, it tells us that even in the darkest days for this guy, he was a guy of hope. Because he knew something about God. The God who promised him that there would be days of praise ahead was the God who was with him even in the dark days. So he had these seven pairs of clean animals sitting on the shelf. And he's like, man, God wouldn't have told me to bring those if we wouldn't have needed those for praise later on. And so he lived in hope. It's so dangerous, this life without hope, and yet so easy for us to fall into the hopeless existence. I'm telling you right now, if you're feeling a bit hopeless, I want to tell you that what was true for Noah will be true for you. The flood went away, and these days will go away, and there will be days of praise in our future. Hang on to hope. For Noah, I mean, he had, he had to take steps of releasing the ravens. It also says he released doves three times. So he was often just doing things of hope by just throwing things up there, just throwing up there. I hope it works. And it didn't. He just kept going. So I want to encourage you to do things that build hope. Every Friday we release a Discipline of the Month video. Maybe you need to walk out as Brad teaches us on the Discipline of the Month every Friday. Maybe you need to up the ante of your disciplines. Maybe you need to actually literally go for a walk six feet away from people alone in your neighborhood or in the woods somewhere by yourself. Maybe you need to stop eating like a bear, right? Maybe you need to live a hopeful life and not a defeated life. You can tell yourself the practices of defeat that you engage in. For me, it would just be laying in bed all day, eating so unhealthy, doing nothing, but I tell you, do what Noah did and release the ravens in your life. So if you're with the family or with friends, you probably ought to not be with friends. But if you are, maybe you could do a Zoom group and ask the question, what are the ravens that you can release that build hope in your life? I had a friend tell me recently in despair, man, this stinks. God never answers my prayer. And I looked at him crazily, and I said, well, I appreciate you sharing, but that's just not true. And I reminded him of several times where he and I had prayed about a thing, and the answer of the prayer was clear, and it was right there. But he had simply forgot that God had answered prayer, and he needed to be reminded. Some people, gosh, aren't you glad you're not like that? You never need to be reminded. We all need to be reminded. And so what my wife does is she writes down answered prayers. And she's been reading them during these crazy days on Facebook. Christy Link, check it out. She's been reading stories of answered prayer. When you read stories of answered prayer, your hope rises. So maybe you need to release some ravens by buying a journal. Amazon, they'll deliver. Don't go out if you don't need to. And just, just rack your brain and say, when did you answer a prayer? And write down the answered prayer times. Because you remember how God has answered prayer in the past that will increase hope in your life in the midst of these crazy times. So Noah was a hope-filled man, even when the world was hopeless. So eventually, in the story of Noah, the floods receded. The ravens didn't come back. The doves didn't come back. 
and the land was dry again. And so as Noah and his family left the ark, this is what we read. This is the first act that they did after having left the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. And the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. Right there, we see that his proper prior planning to praise prevented poor performance. He was waiting for the time when praise would rise, when things changed, and at the moment when things changed, his first action was to praise. Be of good cheer. We will not always be on lockdown. We won't always have corona kicking it around. There will be better days ahead. And I'm encouraging all of us, even Barkley, to be ready to praise. So, so maybe, maybe as we've been talking about back in January of this year, the greater than 17, right? According to the Barna polls, people who mark check on the box that says faith is important to me, People who mark that box only go to church just a little under 17 times a year. So we started 2020 with, you know, the whole thing of going to church more than 17 times a year. Kind of slacking on that, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Not our fault, though. But I wonder when we're allowed to gather again. I wonder if, if that will be our moment, like Noah's moment when he came off of the ark. And his first action was to celebrate and to praise and give praise and honor to the name of the one who brought him through a flood. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see a, a skyrocketing across America of people going to places and houses of worship because people are going to realize, wow, it's good to gather and praise. So begin to make your plans to praise today because there will be a day when the promise that these clean animals for worship will be needed comes to fruition. Now, I'm not quite done. I want to go back to the beginning of Noah's story. And I, I took it out of context and put it here at the end for a reason. Because if we started with this and I misspoke or you mishear, we could do some damage with the following, right? So here's the part of the text, the beginning of uh, Noah's story. The Lord saw how great the wickedness on the earth was. And how evil the thoughts of the human heart had become. Now here's the deal. The flood came in response to human sinfulness. I am not saying, listen, and he is not saying that this is a result of human sinfulness. I'm not saying that. Nor am I saying God sent this to, to teach us a lesson. I'm not saying that. I am saying there's a, a loose parallel for Noah's story and our story. When Noah walked off the flood, the things that were less than healthy in his world had been removed. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying it this way. The things that were less than healthy in Noah's world after this thing known as the flood was gone had been removed. So what I'm wondering is are there things in our lives today as we find ourselves in our own metaphoric flood that we need to examine and say, God, what is there in my life that, that I could leave behind like the stuff of old in Noah's day? 
It requires some self-reflection, and that might be too deep for you. If it's too deep for you, just skip that part. That's okay. But I tell you, it might be a good thing for you to consider, even if it feels too deep, because there's always stuff in our life that can be shaved off and bring us closer to the person God intends us to be. Right, one of our favorite authors in our home says this. He says, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. So maybe it'd be good for you to think and to examine and to ponder and to wonder what in my life needs to be left behind like the evil junk that was left behind in the flood for Noah. Well, you get that, right? You know what I'm saying, and I trust you know what I'm not saying. So don't put words into my mouth or his mouth. You got it. Now, last thing, and then I'm out of here for the day. The story of Noah ends this way. You know, the, the rainbow came, and, and then this is an exact quote from the Bible, the book of Genesis. Then God blessed Noah and his sons. God blessed Noah and his sons. Now, it was a patriarchal culture back then. Parentheses here. Wherever God went through Jesus, the plight of women was, was upheld, and, and equality always followed Christianity throughout history. Back in these days, as God was moving in through human history, it was all patriarchal. So when we read in the Bible, God blessed Noah and his sons, what was implied is his wife and his son's wives as well were blessed, right? And so we know that, thank God, he's brought more of a, a, a stable place for men and women, a more place of equality. So today, if the story of Noah was written, we would see God blessed Noah, Noah's wife, Noah's sons, and his daughters-in-law. Here's the point, though, I want to get out of that. Out of hardship comes blessing. Out of hardship comes blessing. Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm sure you have, growing pains? Two words in juxtaposition. The pain part we get, right? We're in the midst of some pain right now, but I think that there might be some growth that comes out of this pain. Out of hardship comes blessing. Pain now, growth later. Well, it's Palm Sunday weekend, and I pray that you would be prepared in your heart as you worship virtually wherever you find yourselves, with your family, whether you're alone, wherever you're at, to enter into this holy week reflective and thoughtful, to think about the things Jesus has done for us, So that next week when we see the Easter video, we can celebrate like nobody's business. So if you were here, I would say go out there if you're in need of prayer and take a left. But I won't say that today because you're not here. But I will say if you need prayer of any kind, you can send a prayer request to prayer at theriver.info. And our prayer team will be on that right away. And if you were here, I would say go out there, take a ride if you have any questions about this place. I can't do that because you're not here, but I can say info at theriver.info if you have any questions about the river, and we'll get back to you. And if you were here, I'd say don't forget your joy boxes, and you would say heart, and I'd say, yeah, giving of tithes and offerings is a heart issue. So I'll say this way, don't forget your generosity. Soon we'll have something on our social platforms uh, directing you to give online if you would be so inclined. Suffice it today, don't forget your joy boxes, heart, and know that God is good even when the floods are upon us.
Peace. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out online at theriver.info.